Well, good morning, church, and man, welcome. Uh, and the few and the proud, you who stuck it out, roll tide, right? That's for Hunter. I know I see a lot of people here in see a lot of people here in red. I don't know if that's your Alabama stuff or if you're just uh, still in Christmas spirits. But um, man, I'm I'm so glad that you're here. And, and uh, this morning's going to be a little different. Um, we're going to try to double this up a little. We're going to tag team here a little bit, me and Brother Garen. And so uh, the last time we tried to do this, he preached about 45 minutes and I preached about five. So I'm going to try to make this a little more even and blow through what I got this morning. But I don't want us to miss it because both parts of this are very important. This morning we felt like we've been praying about uh, at what point do we just kind of stop and do we communicate um, what we want to accomplish. And I think this Sunday, going into the first of the year, we wanted to communicate our vision and our mission, what we want to do, what God has done, why we are who we are, where we're at, and where we want to be moving into 2019 per hopefully the leadership of God and the establishment of God in our church. And so um, where we're going to be at this morning in, 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 in God's Word is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And so you can go ahead and turn there, and we're going to kind of go through this a little bit because what we want to lay the foundation for this morning, first off, is why we are who we are and why we do what we do. And then the end of it will be kind of moving into how we, what we want to accomplish what we, and what what we're trying to accomplish in this uh, task and um, you know just wanting to share our hearts behind why we chose to do one of the hardest things in ministry it is to do is to start a church and why in God's great name would we choose De Quincey Louisiana to do it in um, and and I hope that by the end that we can really settle into why that would be uh, the case and um, and you know just to just to kind of share just a little bit, you know, when we when we started to pray, God, what is it you have for us? What is it you have for us? Well, I can tell you right now, um, the reason for De Quincey, Louisiana is you. Um, our hearts are heavy for the very people who are in this room and our hearts are heavy for the people who will make their way into this room, hopefully moving into 2019. Um, because we live in an area, we live in a community, we live in a, a, a part of the nation um, that is church heavy, that is um, you know, re very religious. Um, but I believe and I believe the people, you know, uh, the 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 leadership of churches and all that would realize and would recognize and would communicate that we're missing it. OK, that we're missing it some way. And uh, and one of those things, you know, I, I started to think about this a little bit, you know, as we have Christmas, you know, what is it that that as Christians are we missing in the Bible Belt? What are what are we missing? Um, you know, and I started to think about it a little bit with my kids, you know, in Christmas time. And if you have a lot of kids or if you have kids that are, or maybe if you've gotten gifts of your own, maybe you've gone through this. But, you know, when our kids open gifts this year, uh, you know, there's a lot of gifts that they're very excited about. But as they're opening gifts, it reminds me of gifts they got last year, uh, some of which have never been opened that are still in the top shelf of their closet. Um, and so if, if any of you have boys and you invite us to a birthday party, you may get a re-gift. I'm just going to communicate that right now. We're going to put those to really good use. But hey, we love Christmas. It just pays for all our birthdays for the rest of the year. And we got a lot of boys in this church. So. But, uh, but anyway, so, so what, we, what we see is also, not only are there gifts. Oh, gosh, I'm going to drop this if I don't put it down. Not only are there not gifts that they haven't opened, but there's gifts that they've gotten that I don't know where they're at anymore. 
You know, that they're just, maybe in that moment they were very excited about, but as we've gotten to this Christmas, they're not quite as excited about them anymore. And, and honestly, I believe that we have approached Christ and God in the same way, is that we've, we've just lost interest in Him. Um, or that it's, we, we've, uh, we've, we've lost touch of that excitement that we had when we first experienced Him. And really, I believe it's because the gospel in church is so accessible and so easy for us here. Uh, it, it's just so comfortable. There's so many of them. It's such, so saturated that it's just become a part of culture. In church, the gospel in Jesus was never meant to be a part of the culture. It, it was never meant to be easy. I mean, we, we are the only place in the entire world where religion, or Christianity is easy. And, and we take that for granted, I believe. And, and, and as we get into the word this morning, you know, at, as we kind of relate that to, to the illustration of like our kids and they open those gifts and they're excited about them, but then they forget about them. They come indifferent to them. Um, I believe the church in a lot of ways we've become indifferent to God. Uh, we don't feel like we need him. We need him when we're hurting, maybe to have somebody to give us a little peace and comfort or we need him uh, whenever things are rough or we praise him. We say, oh, thank God when things are great. Uh, but when things are bad, we, we get mad at him. You know, we've become indifferent to him. We've become complacent. We've showed him in a lot of ways to be less important than some of the other things that we've elevated in our life, whether that's uh, our kids or our jobs or these other things that we have going on. I'll sacrifice and I'll make time for these things. But for God, he's always going to be there. So I'm going to kind of push him back and I'm going to come back to him later. Because when it becomes part of our culture and it's easy for us, it's also easy to push off to the side and uh, and and. I believe that that's where we have found ourselves at in a lot of ways that we're lacking, uh, that we're, we, and in a lot of it, the reason that maybe the reason we're not reaching people in our communities and the reason that our churches, if you look at statistics, our churches are dying day by day by day is because us as Christians, there's a twofold responsibility in this. Us, as the Bible would call the saints, the Christians, the believers who are out in the world, we're not exemplifying that excitement for Christ. We're not exemplifying that enduring just importance that Jesus has in our lives. And we're not exemplifying why anyone else would ever need him because we don't look any different than anybody else. You know, the very and we'll talk about this a little bit as we move on. I'm getting ahead of myself because I've just I've been marinating on these verses in this text for a long time. And God really has just been challenging me in this. But, you know, we've stopped being agents of Christ in learning and living the gospel out in the world. You know, letting the gospel just overflow out of our life and how we live, how we talk, how we love, and allowing that to be a, an, a, an enticing invitation for those around us to come be a part of that, that I want that, I want what he has. You know, and so like I said, there's two parties at fault. One is the saints, just all of us as Christians, you know, just... Just living out our faith in front of people, letting them see it, putting ourselves in places that people see us and we interact with people. We're not hiding ourselves from people. We're not segregating ourselves from people or separating ourselves from people, as we'll talk about as we get into the text this morning. Uh, but then also the, 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 the problem or the, the responsible party is the shepherds, okay, the pastors. It is our responsibility to lead you into what God has called you to and to show you and us to be walking in that together and in how we present ourselves as elders, as shepherds, as pastors of this church. It's very important. And so this morning we're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is the verse, as we'll talk about, this is the foundational verse of our church right here. 
Because I believe there's, and we believed that there was so much application and so much to communicate to us this morning. So I'm going to try to get through this this morning so we have time for everything that we have to talk about. But I want us to really lean into this text. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, I'm going to read this to you really quick. It says, And when I came to you, brothers, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except... Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and, the pow- and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the reason that this is very significant is because we have to know the context of this verse. We have to understand why Paul is communicating this message to this people at this time. Earlier on, if you read in Acts 18, we see Paul establish the church of Corinth. And when he's there, he spends about over a year and a half and he's pouring into the people and he's ministering to these people. And Corinth uh, is a huge Place. It's, a, it's, a, it's a huge place in, in, in the Roman Empire where there's a mixture of religious uh, religions and a mixture of uh, multiple worships of different gods. There's, it's a diverse place uh, where a lot of commerce and a lot of economy come through. And so this is a massive place. And so Paul settles into the, this place, understanding that it could be a great opportunity, a great kind of launching pad for the gospel to reach the rest of Greece and the Roman Empire. And so Paul pours into this place, but he begins to hear a few years after he leaves, he hears that there's problems in this church. He hears that there's problems. And some of those problems uh, all revolve around division, sexual immorality, misunderstanding of spiritual gifts and orderly worship gatherings. And so there's all these problems that have set into the church. And all of it really, the, the basis of it being division. The basis of it being division. And so Paul preaches and speaks this very specific point that will echo through all of these problems. The the book book of 1 Corinthians is broken up into these problems. It kind of communicates them. And every problem, he addresses it the same way with this very specific point that we're going to talk about. And that we believe is the driving force behind what we want to get back to. Because as we look at a Christianity as a whole that is divided... That a Christianity as a whole that I believe is in a lot of ways like ravenous wolves that would rather eat each other alive than stand in the gap with each other and be a representative of unity and reach out to a lost and dying world around us. We would rather put each other down than stand next to each other. That's the the state of Christianity right now and the state of our churches. And so when the outside world looks at that, they don't want anything to do with that. And so as us as believers, the thing we have to get back to is this. What Paul is communicating to a divided church at Corinth, he's communicating this message that we've read this morning, and it's the gospel. It's the gospel message. He's bringing them back to this. And so we're going to start this morning in two points, the first one being the approach. And this is what us as a church, as a leadership, how we want to approach this. And then the last point being the response, how we respond in light of this. And so uh, picking up in verse 1. We see how Paul approached the people and how he approaches his ministry to the people at Corinth. He said, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or lofty speech or wisdom. 
And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying this word lofty means like this grandiose sense of authority. Okay, this grandiose sense of superiority. He said, I didn't come to you as some uh, religious dictator coming and putting some type of authority on top of you, telling you, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And he also said, I didn't come to you in this sense of wisdom. You know, in this place, in this time, like they're used to all these people, the, the, these people coming and, and giving these speeches and giving these vast grand presentations and all these things and communicating all these things. He said, I didn't come to you like that. He said, I didn't come to you like a salesman. I'm not bringing you a sales pitch. He said, I'm not coming to you like a philosopher trying to, to communicate some grand scientific design or whatever it is. He says, I came to you like a witness. I'm sharing with you what Christ did for me. Because remember Paul, Paul constantly went back to this fact of that I am weak that I am broken, that I am the chief of sinners, that he constantly went back to his brokenness to help himself, to help present himself not as this grand leader, but as this broken individual that God gracefully saved. And so for us as people, we want to, we want to approach the, the, the ministry in this way. And it says that Paul, he chose, he decided to focus on Christ. That it was built on the gospel. It wasn't on lofty things or wisdom or these type of things that, that seemed big and grandiose. He said it wasn't about entertainment. These people, they were used to being entertained. Paul is telling them here, it's not about entertainment. It's not about those things. He said his approach, and I love this, that his approach was simplicity. That his method was simplistic. And continuing on in verse 2, and he brings that focus about what the focus was on. He says, for I decided, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so that thing, that thing that he says was the focus, that thing that he says was the point, the thing that he said, I decided to know. He said, and he, and he says here, he says, for I decided to know nothing. He's not telling us that any wisdom, any knowledge, any understanding is wrong because the Bible constantly tells us to gain wisdom, to gain understanding, all those things. But he's telling them that if at, at all else, this is the thing that we need to focus on. And he said, Jesus Christ and him crucified the gospel. The gospel message. We have to get back to understanding the gospel because the gospel communicates more than we could really even wrap our minds around. It's this amazing point in history that we have to understand. And I believe and we believe and Paul believed that it's the very uniting method of the church is the gospel. That it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because what we see here at the cross... That it's not programs, it's not entertainment, it's not events, it's not uh, these grand words of wisdom, it's not all this stuff that, that, that they were expecting and that they were wanting. But he said that it's the cross, that it's Christ and Him crucified. It's a knowledge and understanding that we are moved and motivated by the gospel as represented in the cross of Jesus. That He, and the reason is, is because as we stand in the shadow of the cross, there is no room for pride. Okay? There is no room, uh, there is no room for complacency. There is no room for indifference because as we stand and we approach the cross and we think on the cross and we look to the cross and the gospel, we see that he died for each and every one of us equally. That no matter where you've come from, no matter what you look like, no matter what you've done, Christ died for the same for you, for the lowly, as he's died for the most religious. He's died for all of us equally. And so if the cross could be the rally point, 
that we come to, we understand our brokenness. And it keeps us, it keeps us humbly walking and approaching those around us. Because I understand I'm just as broken and God died the same death. Jesus bled the same blood for me that he bled for you and that he bled for you and that he bled for you. And no matter what sin you're caught up in, no matter what you've fallen into, whatever you're struggling with, Christ died the same for you as he's died for those standing in the corner with their Bibles or standing in front of you preaching or leading worship. He died the same for you and for me. And so when we come to the cross, and that's why the cross is just such an amazing point. It's the intersection of the gospel because what we see at the cross, we see death and life. We see a debt owed and a debt paid. We see fear and joy. We see pain and healing, hopelessness and and hope. We see judgment and forgiveness. We see the weight and the heaviness of sin, but we also see the gracious love and mercy of Christ and of God and His intention for His people is not death and judgment. His intention for His people is life and joy and hope. That's why Paul is bringing them back here. He said, this is what we want to see. This is where we want to be. This is what we want to know. This needs to be the driving point in every problem that he'll address in 1 Corinthians. He comes back to this very text and this very point that it's Jesus Christ and him crucified is the point. That's the point. That's where we need to be bringing people to. And I love this, that Paul says here in verse three, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And church, our desire as pastors and as we build an eldership team at this church is to approach you in this same way. In weakness, in fear, in trembling. I love that Paul, big bad Paul, communicates this to those people like, I am weak. I'm afraid. I'm trembling. Like there's a difference between being afraid and trembling. And I think that's why he says those things different, because that's like a whole nother level of of fear is to be trembling. Like Paul communicates that and he's communicating that to the people that that as leadership, as pastors, that there's no such thing as pastoral perfection. And that. If I don't expect that from you, I hope you don't expect that from me. But I think if we step into that arena in the same way, we can accomplish so much for the gospel. And I love that, you know, that he's pointing back to Christ and that that for us to understand that there's not one head, that there's a plurality of shepherds and elders. Every church that you see in the Bible, they had multiple men leading those churches, that it wasn't just one dictator just reigning over all. And what Paul is communicating and the way that we approach people, the way that we approach ministry is that unity comes in our honesty and our vulnerability. Understanding that we're weak. Understanding that we're broken. From the saints of the church, from the congregation to the shepherds and elders of the church, to the leadership. That we would understand that we are weak, that we are broken, that we're afraid, that we struggle you know, and I love this because this, this word weakness, it communicates this idea of a lack of strength, limited endurance and fatigue. I can promise you over this past year or so, I've felt fatigued. I promise you. I promise you there have been times when I have felt like the endurance is lacking. And then this last, the, the, then the word trembling, this sense of fear, insecurity and uncertainty. 
You know, uh, the, the other end of this, you know, some of the most narcissistic, prideful people in the church could, can be the pastor. You know, and that's why a lot of times those are the people we're hurt by. Whenever we create this culture where we're pointing away from Christ, but we're pointing to this man, this big man that's standing on a stage communicating to people and that they're perfect and they don't ever make mistakes. And ultimately what they're doing is they're setting people up to be hurt by them because they're people who hurt people and are broken just like everyone is. But whenever we stand next to people and we say, I'm broken just like you are, but Jesus Christ isn't, that's where I'm directing people. That's where I'm bringing people. That's where I want to point them. And so our response to that approach is this. And he communicates this moving down into verse 4. He said, In my speech and my wisdom were not implausible words of wisdom. My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That he said that the represented reality of what is happening in this church, what happened in Corinth, what happens around us for the glory of God is not because of me, but it's because of the power of God in me. That it's not great grand Jake because Jake will make mistakes. Garen will make mistakes. Sean will make mistakes. We will make mistakes. But the good things that happen, they're not because I'm so great. They're not because I'm so impressive. Because I could beg the differ. But it's because God and the spirit of his power, the power of his spirit in me is that thing that's working. And that us as people, that even as Christians, just uh, the saints of the church or the leadership that we're deflecting praise and we're pointing back to Christ and we're magnifying him. And then I love that he brings it in and he wraps it up with this. He said, so that, and this is the very thing that we're talking about. And I think this is the very unifying agent. This is the thing that unifies churches, will keep churches unified. If we could be at this point here, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. But in the power of God. You know, one of the main reasons um, we were I was talking about this with uh, some we were talking about this this week, that one of the main reasons people desert church or, or turn from their relationship with the Lord and don't cultivate that relationship anymore is because they're hurt by people in church. The people that people see as representatives of God and representatives of Christ and the gospel. And what we've done when we when we allow that to happen is we've been pointing people to ourselves too much. We've been pointing people to ourselves too much and we have to constantly be reorienting them back to Christ to help them understand that people will fail, but God and his power and his purpose never will. That Jesus won't fail you, that I may fail you, that I may fail you, but God never will. And does that mean that gives me an excuse to fail you? Absolutely not. But whenever we step into this humble space, this space of grace, when we, we, we collectively move into this, then we both and we can all understand that we're broken and we allow each other the honesty and the freedom and the vulnerability to communicate where we're hurting, to communicate where I'm, I'm wrong, to communicate uh, where, where I'm struggling. You know, the point, you know, where we, we create a space, you know, I heard someone say this once before that uh, hope evaporates in a space where you know everything that's wrong but don't know, don't know how to make it right. And whenever we've gotten too far away from the gospel and the cross of Christ, we, we begin to move away from the very thing that makes it all right. And the thing that makes it right is the gospel. That is Christ and Him crucified for sinners' behalf. You know, when we begin to move away from that, we move away from the solution. 
Christ is the solution. And our job, our job as Christians, as, as saints of the church, our job as pastors and elders of this church are to be leading people to Christ. To be leading people to Christ. And that, that takes purpose. That takes intentionality from our day to day and in our Sunday morning gatherings and our Wednesday nights when we start community groups and our fellowships that we're intentionally and purposefully standing next to people, not standing in front of people, not being the thing that they see, not getting in their way of seeing Christ in the gospel, but standing next to them and leading them and pointing them to the gospel. And showing them to that, that reliance on Him, dependence on Him, and looking to Him is the way that we should be moving as a church. You know, that that be the very thing that we come back to is the gospel. Is that we just keep pointing there. And that all we do, and this is our hope for Crosspoint, and that all we do would be led by the gospel, established by the gospel, and celebrated in the gospel of Christ. Because when we, like I said, when we lean into the gospel, when we're constantly coming back to that point, there is no place in the shadow of the cross for pride. I can never think that I'm good enough as I stand and look in the shadow of the cross and look at a Savior and think on a Savior that died and bled for me when I did nothing to deserve it. There is no place for pride in that. There's no place for indifference in that. Because when I remember and I think and remind myself of what Christ did for me, that gets me excited about Jesus and the ministry of the gospel and evangelizing to people and inviting people to be at church with me and to be in study with me and have spiritual conversations with people and to worship with people and to talk to people and to pray for people. That makes me excited when I think about what Jesus did for me when I didn't deserve that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before I did a single thing for Him, He bled and died for me. And it doesn't matter the rotten work that I've done in my life. Christ looks at me and He looks at you the same. Because under the shadow of the cross, we're all broken, nasty, dusty sinners. But He invites us into that. He says, I've invited you in. Like we've sang earlier, He's invited us into that family. He's invited us in to be children of His. Not because of my work, but because of the work of Christ. That's what God invites us to. And that was Paul's solution. That was his response, is to approach division, to, to approach ministry, to approach problems with gospel vision. To approach our families, to approach our jobs, to approach our relationships with gospel vision. That that be the way that we communicate with each other. That's the way that we lead as a church. That's the way we deal with other churches. That we, we stop trying to find negativity about each other or about other churches or about other things or this or that. Because listen, I can, I can find negativity about probably every single one of you. And you can find tons of negativity about me if we spend enough time dwelling on it. But he says, approach everybody, every situation, every point, every process with gospel vision. Seeing that Christ died and was crucified for me, for you, for all of us equally. You know, and we stop looking for just the surface things in people's life. You know, like, oh, well, I don't, I don't like this person because they do this or they believe in this or they have this lifestyle or this lifestyle or this lifestyle, whatever it might be. But leaning in with people and understanding Jesus Christ and Him crucified died for me the same way He did for them. And that's what they need. And the only way they're going to see it is if I stand next to them. You know, because that's one of the things the church at Corinth was struggling with. Are we in the world or are we out of the world? Do we deal with the world or do we separate ourselves from the world? 
And Paul tells them, with gospel vision, engage the culture around you for the gospel. Stop hiding from them. Stop separating yourself from them. Stand in the gap. Because we can stand and not compromise. You can engage people and, and still be and have gospel integrity and have Christian integrity about us. It's possible. He calls us to that. That's one of the very things Paul addresses in this letter to the Corinthians is their separation from the culture. To stand in the, in the culture, to, to lean into the culture with gospel integrity, uncompromising willpower, not of my own power, but of the power of the gospel. That's what he calls us to. And that's the kind of church that we hope to be. And as we move into 2019, and as we discuss our mission and our vision and what we want to be doing now and what we want to continue to do, we want to lean into our community with that. We want to begin to step into 2019 and make a footprint in our community and let people know we're here and what we want to do and what we want to accomplish. Not for numbers' sake, but for souls' sake. I want to see people walking and living in the life that God has for them, that life abundant, that whether happiness or hurt or lots or little, that people can find joy and happiness because they're looking to the gospel. They're looking to the cross of Christ, standing under that shadow along everyone, regardless of how much money you make, what color you are, what things you struggle with. We're all standing under that shadow together. And I want to invite people into that shadow with me. I want to invite people around the cross with me. And I want us to be a church that does that together. But it's all through us leaning in to Jesus and what he has for us and what he wants to do with us. So I'm going to pray for us really quick. And then we're going to move into this next portion. But I just pray that you carry that along. You know, I, we, we, um, we, we want to be what we need to be for you. And, and we want to be able to provide for you and lead you in the way that 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 you need to be led and know that that we want to hear from you. If you have opinions or suggestions about things that we talk about or we communicate about, tell us. This is all for you. Everything we do is for you and for this church and for these people and the people that will be here. I'm, I'm praying and loving on people who aren't even here yet because I believe they're going to be here. And I hope that we would all step into it with that type of, of understanding and that hope that I, I want, I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to be comfortable sitting in, in my seat in this little cafeteria bench. I want to have to move. I want to have to cram in. I want to have to make more space and whatever God's got for us. I want to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be uncomfortable because we're dealing with broken, hurting people. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be that kind of church. Let's bow our heads this morning.